about one more stand. Why is it so inconsistent? Construction's hard. Hey everybody, uh, thank you guys for joining us again. This is another episode of Construction is Hard podcast. I'm Brian, that's Gary. Uh, today, for those of you that have been tuning in, we're talking about the third pillar of workforce management. We spoke about workforce management is this rather complex concept. It's this larger business practice that's getting identified and it's becoming more and more established uh, in construction organizations as people recognize this and as tools are beginning to provide visibility into workforce management. Gary and I, in this workforce management series that we're currently underway, uh, we're looking to identify and describe the different components that comprise workforce management. And those are the pillars. There are six of them. We've talked about forecast. We've talked about the roster. Today, we're talking about scheduling. And this is a big one. Uh, everyone's chasing forecasting. And so we hit on how really forecasting is this misconception. It's this hard thing to visualize because we haven't been able to identify project-specific planning and how those are two separate things. Project-specific plans roll up to create the organizational forecast. And that sounds simple, but watch the episode if you want to see how it really breaks down and where people are going at it today. The roster, pillar two, that we spoke of in our last episode, this is one where it's a simple concept. It's a list, it's a workup and a full list of your people, but it's not about HR. It's not about payroll. It's fed from those things. It's about operations and how operations can really determine who is who, what makes our people unique and how we can best utilize them and how we can develop them over projects. So today, pillar three, today's topic is scheduling. And we're going to go through kind of defining, uh, you know, how do we really break down and go into detail of what scheduling is and at the same time, then we're going to hit on sort of where the Achilles heel of scheduling really sits today and why it is such a cumbersome and time intensive task and where some of the downfalls happen within our organization when it comes to trying to schedule without intent and without considering the other pillars like forecasts and having a complete roster. So with that being said, uh, today's episode scheduling, we're going to jump in first with a little bit of the definition. And I want to throw a specific definition out there. And then I'm going to throw, pass it to you for kind of some added color or clarity or anything I forget. But Gary and I actually just recently when we were sitting down preparing for today's episode, the actual act of writing out what is scheduling, what is scheduling in construction really entail, it's not that easy. And, and I would stress like try to do it, take a pen and try to write it out, you might find yourself simple concept harder when you really break it down and how we define scheduling is really the process of allocating current employees across multiple projects with consideration to individual attributes or the roster and current or future availability all of this needs to be done while balancing project needs so that's quite the elaborate definition different things in there let's kind of pick it apart now um current employees also is a big one having that roster accurate and having that roster in real time helps part of us maintaining this. A lot of times the groups that are scheduling personnel across these projects, um, they're maintaining spreadsheets or job boards. And what we really have there is our operational leadership team in the labor control center is actually planning off of outdated information and it might not be actual current employees. Yeah, we're building up to this. We talked about forecasting, which you need to do, or, or your labor planning on a particular project, uh, your roster, and now taking those two elements and folding them into how you actually perform the scheduling task at hand. Uh, a lot of information out there, a lot of information that's that's all rounded up into one spot. 
So it, uh, logic would tell you that scheduling should be a lot easier with the, with the tool. And it is. And, and when we say forecasting, imagine at this point, if you are viewing workforce management as a practice and as these pillars and considering each of the concepts or, or, or components together, we've identified the needs or commitments against our personnel with forecasts whether it's on the labor planning or the wrap-up of the labor plans that create the organizational forecast, we have identified all these different needs now, these gaps. We've identified the needs. Our roster tells us who do we have in our arsenal. Where do I go to look when it comes to now applying or allocating the individual who's the best fit or the individual who could use the development to become better in my organization? So I have the needs identified. I have my people identified. Now we are talking about the scheduling. The actual, we're crossing the line from needs to actual people, names of the current active employees in my workforce, and how I go about the act of not just considering their current or future availability of the individual, but also the information about the individual and how do I update that individual's path as well as the project's path. And that's one of the big keys that we're going to hit on today is this idea of scheduling, not just who's available, who's the best fit, who could be developed, but the crux, the Achilles heel of scheduling today is really we are accustomed to watching project schedules move. And we see this all the time. We have our teams, you know, reaching out to people and they ask, what do you do for workforce management? What do you do for scheduling today? And the answer, 90% of the time, the answer is, oh, yeah, we do, we do scheduling. No, you're doing project scheduling. You're not actually doing personnel scheduling. We have project day that comes and goes through time and people come and go to that job, but we never get to really look at the view or consider the individual's path across projects. And that is a hard thing to do I, when you have even 50 people, let alone hundreds. Well, yeah, in depth. You have a project and you're gonna assign the best supervisors you have to fit the need at the time. And then as you go down into the, the workforce, I think you lose a lot of the detail that you could apply for the best fit for the right people and also identify people that uh, may not have the skill set yet, but you're identifying training needs as well at that time. So there, there's a lot of complexity in that when, when you have the ability to look at every individual and try to tailor that, that workforce on that particular project to maximize your profits. You know, the tool will help you do that. Absolutely. And, and to that point there, the tool is a place where we can consider the project needs or the project uh, plan or forecast. We can then overlay on top of that all of our applicable current individuals paths or availability or allocations over the top of that. And how do we coordinate and align all of these? And when we do that, how are we making sure that the record is updated for the rest of the organization to plan off of or consider? There's a big piece about when we plan or schedule in silos and some party gets to own it somebody has the kingdom uh the fiefdom and everybody else is waiting even though it's my project and i see this i'm i'm just as much screwing everybody else up and i know you guys have experience with kind of the fiefdoms and well yeah I mean, you know you're talking about uh, collaboration now you're looking at multiple projects when you have a transparency where you can see where these people are going and why they're going there and what impact it might have on your project if you're a project manager you start to understand the big picture and now you become a real powerful player because you're in the loop you know, we don't have uh, individual maintaining a spreadsheet for the big reveal at the friday job meeting right 
be. We're, we're managing this now in real time. We're scheduling in real time with a high level of collaboration and understanding the needs for the company, not just so much the needs for the project. And then with the control transparency that you're allowed to put in the process with permissions, you're able to basically broadcast this information across your company in a very efficient, timely manner. And, and that brings scheduling right to the forefront and it, and it makes it an easier task and a, and a more efficient, effective task than it ever has been before. Um, you, and you get, it's important when we talk about scheduling to acknowledge that there are different ideologies. There's the project scheduler and there's the workforce scheduler. And these are two different stakeholders. They care about different things. Imagine your project management team is likely, obviously, the project stakeholder. They care about the people coming and going from their job. Great. But then somewhere along the line, you get a workforce stakeholder or a workforce scheduler. This is the individual that is in the hot seat and the individual who it all falls on to coordinate those individual paths across not just one project, but the multiple projects. And when we consider, okay, what is the tool or how is that individual supposed to try to map Gary Apprentice Level 4's path across four jobs in the next three to six months, maybe, or one, whatever it might be, that's when we get to this area of, there's a reason why we don't see it today. I know we have people watching who are going, no, we don't track. We don't have a spreadsheet for every individual person. We don't track. We, we can't. It's not possible. We don't schedule people after one job. We hear that all the time, right? We're lucky to know where they need to be next. We don't have the tool. We don't have the tool that allows us to say, show me what Gary's doing today, next month, next week. There's different levels of scheduling. That's what I'm getting at. You can know where people are supposed to be today. You can start to know how long they're all going to be on the current jobs. Great. That's where most of the industry is today. We know where people are and we know how long roughly we think they're going to need to be there. And if you're not at that point yet, that's okay. That's fine too. That's common. But the next step gets into, and there are groups doing this today. I know where all my people are. I know when they're supposed to be leaving that job. And the next the next aspect of scheduling is where are they going to go next? Not where do the needs come next, but let's go ahead and plan them on to the next job. And that's a concept that's not actually out there as much. Yeah, and then, and then part of the reason for that is schedules change. So you schedule out an individual for Project A, and at the time when you're doing this, you know it's a good fit for that person to transfer over to Project B. Well, maybe Project B's timeline changes a little bit. Well, that that happens hopefully far enough ahead in time where you're going to recognize that, and now you have the ability to change that plan. When but, do yeah, and now again, you're now you're managing the situation. The situation is not managing you, and that's the big difference between this workforce management process and all these different pillars that are involved in it. Is the fact that you have taken control of the situation. You own it. And again, time's your friend when, when you're managing and not letting the projects manage you. Um, there's a lot of changes. There's, that's one of the, the big things you hear from contractors is construction is, is like organized chaos, right? It, it's, it's so difficult, but it doesn't need to be. You're planning this, this thing out. You take control. You don't let the situations manage you. And... Um, when you realize that you have the ability to do that and you're using this tool in the proper manner, your life will change because it does become less chaotic and you've got a well-thought-out plan and your workforce is happy because they're not bouncing from job to job to job uh, 
without any real rhyme or reason to why they land on any particular project. Well, and, and you mentioned one thing Gary just mentioned that I want to point out is project B switched to change, et cetera. And hopefully it happens in time where you have time to react, even if it doesn't. doesn't change the fact that when the individual that is the stakeholder on project B, when they are operating in the same place as everybody else, when you've consolidated everyone into one place and they make those updates, whether it's far off in the future or tomorrow, I can see immediately the impacts. That's how we have the opportunity to get ahead of these things with whatever time we have versus what's normally happening today. The Project B stakeholder updated their version, their schedule, their spreadsheet, and it's going to be a week before we all come together for the labor meeting and we all yeah. try to sync on what the hell's happening, catch everybody up to speed, and while we're in that meeting, it's outdated. Right. It's old information. And so this silo is just a big piece where, again, all these jobs are constantly going to change. We've had groups say, well, we can't, we can't know where the people are going next because it's changing. Of course it is. But when we're all in one place and you have the individuals, the team approach, the individuals are allowed to update their schedules, their project schedules, the individual schedules. I need this guy or gal for another week. Fine. Update that because I'm operating in the labor control center in a tool fit to the task in a place where the rest of my organization is operating. Everyone else can immediately see and react or proactively resolve those problems and those conflicts that we're now creating. And, well, you know, the, the contractor that says we, we can't possibly know where this person's going next. That, that's a cop out in my mind. If you have the, have the platform, if you have the tool to allow you to do that, the having a half-ass plan is a hell of a lot better than having no plan at all, right? It's easy to tweak your yeah. half-ass plan. Well, it's not, if you don't have a plan now, you know, I've used this scenario before. You're playing baseball. You're not playing football. Um, the, the, the football scenario quickly is those guys break the huddle. They have a plan. Baseball, it's a hope and a prayer. Yeah. And, and so uh, play football. Plan. You know, do your due diligence, and you'll find that you'll create a ton of time for yourself, and you'll be operating in a more efficient, productive manner because you have addressed these problems on the head end. And you're aware of what's coming down the road because you do have a roadmap across the entire company. And, and this is where, you know, Gary and I are talking about having a plan, and that's two components. There's the labor planning forecast aspect where we're identifying all the potential needs or the ideal path through the job. And then that same plan is what becomes the schedule because we're now allocating real names to that same plan. So I, I always, and Gary and I joke about the soapbox, but goddammit, it, we're going to jump back on it right now because I get so frustrated and I understand where people are coming from because when you haven't had a tool that's made to do this, it is not hardly feasible. I mean, we are talking about, yeah, it would be a ton of work, but change a few aspects, use a tool fit to the task, bring your people together. And all of a sudden this is, it's, you're not wasting time. You're not adding no. any time building these plans and scheduling these people across those jobs, et cetera. You're saving time compared yes. to what's happening well, when you get that high level of collaboration and the team is managing your labor and your workforce, that is a totally different concept and, and a totally different world than it is when you have a select few or maybe even one in some cases uh, managing the entire workforce. There's, there's no way that one person can do that. I can speak from experience of that. I, I sat in that chair. And uh, when I look back at that now, I worked my ass off to accomplish that. And I'd give myself maybe a C it, because there's just too much. 
there's too many things going on and you get pulled in too many different directions. To do it right, I believe that you need a team to be, be looking at this and all eyes on it. And that includes the project manager. It includes, uh, the, the, obviously, the foreman, the labor managers. The, the nice thing about the high degree of collaboration is you'll find that your two-week look-aheads that are, are not being utilized in the proper way if you're using the spreadsheet method and, and doing the weekly reveal, that's not being used the way it would be used in a fully collaborative environment. There's a survey out there. A third of contractors all still said, yeah, no, the superintendent should be the only person scheduling. And what we're suggesting is not that everybody is horse trading and everybody's just in the pot getting too, too many chefs in the kitchen. What we're saying is that individual may be the one or the labor coordinator, whatever the role is. There is a scheduler. There is an allocator typically. That individual is still maneuvering and making the ultimate decision on who goes where. But you got to get other people involved to identify where should those people be, where are they needed next, as well as when should they be leaving one job and getting on to the next. And all of these different aspects create this control and discipline when you've got more people involved. And it doesn't also, it doesn't fall on one person. Imagine just the episodes we've talked about, forecast, roster, and now schedule. When one person, when, when, when people say the superintendent or the labor coordinator or the scheduler, that's their job. You're saying that that individual is now responsible for identifying where all these people are needed today or going to be needed. That individual is responsible for maneuvering and allocating them and considering the individual path as well as the project needs. And that individual is probably going to be trying to coordinate the communications. And it all falls on one person. And he's in charge of making sure that safety is complied with. He's making sure that the the, the equipment is allocated in the right space. Uh, Training. Uh, union, if they're union contractor relations or if they're a merit shop, it's it's uh, coordinating with HR. There's a, there's many tasks on his plate that I know when I was in that position, I did a half-ass job at all of them. Everyone I've spoken to. Because there's too many. Everyone that I've spoken to, that you, I know the same for, for you, that person is in the hot seat. Yeah. Nobody, nobody envies like, oh, yeah, that's an easy job. There's not one contractor that I've ever spoken to that goes, yeah, that's, 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 you know, it's fine. It's always the hardest, the worst, the hot seat. And there's a reason for it. And it doesn't have to be that way either. No. It really doesn't. And that no. person, that person has better things to be doing. That person's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's the guy working 80 hours a week. And, and, and he or she can also be doing way more for our workforce. That's the other thing, too. Yeah. They do not need to be living in these spreadsheets or job boards or on the phone or on the emails trying to just maneuver people those are plans that we can set up across projects across people and now that individual is not they're not let go they're not they're not underutilized at that point no now they can actually go back to supervising and developing the workforce as there, a whole. that's the word you're looking for supervising um, there's managers they're called project managers they help manage the job control what's what the cost is on a project and that help that includes labor Help manage the labor. Let the supervisors do what they do best, supervise. And now your installation techniques, your your equipment that you're using, it's the most current, most productive form of installs. That's really where that person will bring a lot to the party. And by freeing them up with the team concept, I think is is very important, and, and particularly when you have the tool to help you with it want to hit on a couple more things before I move on. Number one, we talked to a lot of groups that say, well, yeah, we schedule the supervision, we schedule our foreman, but nothing 
we schedule foreman PMs, maybe superintendents, something like that, mm -hmm. but, but but not below that. Yeah, that wouldn't be that feasible. You know? hear that a lot. hear that a lot. Totally understand it. You are missing the most important piece when you don't schedule below the foreman. It's you're only the groups that are doing that. That's happening. It's only happening because it's not feasible to maintain the individual schedules of all the other field teammates instead of just doing the form. And that's, that's why it's so much more valuable, though, when you have a tool that everybody can come into, you can actually see accurate labor projections, you can actually tell what's going on on the jobs. It's I, I just I want to hit that on the head too. of, if you today are scheduling and you go, yep, yeah, we know where our foremen are going to be from job A to B, B to C, C to D. Great. You are missing the bigger piece of the pie by not doing that same exact thing for every single one of your teammates in the field. And honestly, should be doing it on the office, uh, uh, on the office team members as well, getting to understand where their allocation and their time is going. If we have a PM uh, spread out across four different jobs, are they supposed to be spread across four different jobs? Or is that a sign of over allocation, right? Or under allocation? Well, you know, it sounds like a daunting task. Yeah, right. I mean, I've got a workforce of 400 people. And you're telling me to schedule everybody out from job to job to job. Maintain right? it. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And, and and when when you do that on a spreadsheet, it's impossible. All right? But understand the tool. Okay? I can I can take requests or placeholders and and those are shells of an assignment and I can I can assign people based off of that information way out into the future. And what ends up happening is the 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 process and the information of the platform is a living, breathing thing that is in real time. So you're looking at that on a minute-by-minute on a minute basis in some cases where the tweaking is very easy because the problems are minimized because it's right in front of you. It's very apparent where your gaps are and what you need to do to adjust. And there's times when, when you get that all laid out you might go days where you don't have to adjust anything. And then when, it, when one particular situation changes, it becomes very apparent, and that's the team approach. The, the project manager goes in and changes the schedule, and it becomes very apparent to the scheduler that now we have some gaps or we have some overlaps, and that's easily fixed because it's right there in front of you in real time. And, and you can't stress that enough. That real-time labor management is, is, is paramount. Gold. And it is. It is golden. It's, and and it allows you to be very proactive and take control of the situation across the entire company. And what we're talking about, you know, we're, oh, rah, 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 this is bad, this is bad. What we're trying to stress is, imagine there are tools out there today, Ribbit, that can literally help us identify, here's where the overlaps just occurred. A job changed just now, bam, in real time, here's where the overlaps occurred. Here's where that person identified more needs that have not yet been allocated or fulfilled. Here are the communications. I, I mean, it is, you mentioned there, it is not feasible to truly schedule 400 people off of spreadsheets when I have that tool. And I think it's worth noting, I'm not sure how much the audience has really gotten of your and I's background, but Gary managed a field force of 400 plus off of spreadsheets. I managed 350 troopers off of spreadsheets, and it's not. When I was doing that as an officer, you never, I never got to leave my office. The primary facet of my day was wrong. It was sitting there having to maintain this stupid spreadsheet to try to understand where my guys and gals were supposed I, I to be. I think it's in. fair to say that, that I could do that for one project at a time, for, yeah. for one week at a time. But getting out. I, yeah, getting out was 
impossible. Looking out ahead. And that's that's the scheduling, the process of allocating existing or current employees across multiple projects. Accurately. Accurately. Let's talk about musical chairs. That's that's one of your Garyisms that I enjoy, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, musical chairs. Bouncing people from project to project to project uh, without any real planning done or forethought into really what you're doing. You have a, a certain need on a certain job, and you you have one or two individuals that has that skill set, and you make the call that, okay, I'm going to move this individual from project A to project B because they're needed there because of the skill set that he possesses. Well, that person that you just moved, he may have been on that job for six, eight months and, and was very intimate with the project. He knew that project up one side and down the other. He was very efficient and very productive on it as a result and helping others. Now you take him out of the out of that situation and you transfer him to another project that he's not familiar with at all. He's got to get acclimated to the job site. He has, there's a learning curve there. He's not very productive during that learning curve process, and, he's, and then he gets brought up to speed, and now he's applying that skill set to what the need is. But heaven forbid it happens again, and it's the third time you move him, right? Well, I always looked at it as I'm going to bring some discipline to this and, and I am going to do everything I can do to keep from moving that person from job site A to job site B. What is the skill set this person possesses? And, and why do we have to pull him off a job that he's being very productive on and put him on a, a, a job that I know is going to take him a while to get ramped up? Now I've left a void at that job, job A. I've left a void there. And now I've got to put another person in there and bring them up to speed. You can begin to see how expensive that gets. Not only that, but you've missed a training opportunity. If you're not deep enough to fulfill that need with another employee, you need to you need to identify that, and you need to get another person, another individual up to speed on that particular skill set. Now you're building depth within your company, and it's, it's almost like forced compliance, right? And so, this was later on in my career when I when I started to identify this as a real problem. And, and I started uh, putting that into place, and, and I was very pleased with the results of it because it did create depth. And what you'll find with a platform is, too, is that uh, it gives you a foundation for your training program and a sustainable training. So you're identifying opportunities, not problems. They're opportunities. If you, you take the path of least resistance and move that person with that skill set, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors at all. You are you are creating the same problem over and over and over again, and your your uh, workforce is is very thin. There's no depth to it at all, and and there's I I've never found a person that can't be replaced by training. You know the graveyard is full of indispensable people, right? And so do your due diligence, train your people up, take advantage of that opportunity to create some depth. The workforce will love you for it because they're not bouncing all around. They're not going from job to job to job wondering what in the hell's going on in that office. Do they have a clue what they're doing? I'm on the third job in the third week, right? And and now you've got the foreman on the other end receiving these guys or losing them. Yeah. And they're struggling either way. Revolving and, door on yeah, the job. It's just a, it's, it is a mess. And so 
you know, I, I, I like to use the word discipline because there's another example of how you, you need to be disciplined in this workforce management process we're introducing because that just helps strengthen it um, and really helps in the long haul. Think about the perspectives of our project stakeholder teams as well. From the, the team's perspective, not just the individual running or allocating, what is the source of truth? What is the, the place that we can all go to to understand should this person be pulled off job A to go to job B and play musical chairs, or should this person stay there? And if by pulling that person, you just screwed my job, where can, what can I look at? What can I point at as one of the team members and say, well, look at what just happened. The job board gets erased. The spreadsheet updates and you get version five, four folders back, yada, yada. There's not a record and a source of truth for the team to look at and say, here's what happened, here's what was supposed to happen, and this is where things started to go bad. And when we don't have one place that's visible, that has the, the control transparency and the accountability built into it, not a tool fit for the task, there's nowhere for us to look back. There's nowhere for the group to look and say, okay, this is a source of truth, this is what's supposed to happen, and only certain people are allowed to break this, and if they do, they've now uh, accrued or accepted the responsibility. You know, I, yeah, as a foreman, you pull three of my guys off the job two weeks earlier than I had planned. I get to have that card in my back pocket for right. when shit goes. <laughs> right. I mean, here we're on pillar three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the first time the single source of truth term came out, which kind of amazing to yeah, me. But yeah. it, it's true. Failed, it, is a, <laughs> it is a single source of truth. Yeah. And it is a record. Uh, and now we have accountability. You know, there's there's a lot of companies out there that have trouble with um, putting a, a certain level of accountability on the labor managers or the project managers. When you're separated and you're working in silos, there's a lot of escape routes, mm-hmm. right? And, and and because you're you're driving this off a spreadsheet or a whiteboard or whatever you're doing, you lose that accountability. You lose the track record. That's a very good point about decisions made midstream of a job that basically doom it because you either made the wrong decision or, or you made a bad decision, right? And, and there's a difference. A bad decision is the decision you make without all the information that you, you have you know, in front of you, and a wrong decision is you had the information and you had to make a call, and you made the call and it turned out to be the wrong one. I'd rather make wrong decisions than bad decisions. I want information to base my decisions on. Well, and this, this, there's two sides to this accountability coin, too. And, and this, I, I spoke with a contractor out of New York one time, and he mentioned how when I don't have a tool that provides that, it's not fit to the task, it doesn't provide me the source of truth, et cetera. That, that goes both ways, meaning the individual, yeah, can say, I, I didn't have the tool. I, the spreadsheet was out of date, yada, yada. Like, it's a scapegoat for the individual. But at the same time, the, what, what this guy was describing to me is, he goes, it is frightening when I think about the fact that my labor coordinators are managing a book of business that is hundreds of millions of dollars. And they're managing that book of business off of spreadsheets, their Excel spreadsheet that, quite frankly, like in high school, maybe that, that, that individual was the last time they were professionally trained right, on that. In a lot that. of cases, spreadsheets. Yeah, multiple. Yeah, not <laughs> that, even one, right. just all over the place. Right. And that right there, scheduling, we are talking about, let's not even consider it from the real aspect of developing people across projects and, and aligning our people across projects. Let's think of it from the accountants or the financial aspect. 
40, 60% of our jobs. Well, you're a hundred million dollar contractor. You're putting 40 to $60 million through your people. What tool and method do you truly use to manage and control that 40 to $60 million? It's not your accounting software. It's not your ERP software. That tells you what happened. That tells you where all the money went, not where it's supposed to go. And those are two very different things. A workforce management tool tells you, is it 40 million or is it going to be 60 million first off? And then second off, where should it be going across every job and across every person? But there is a method going on in that scenario. You just, you just paint it and that's the earned value process. Okay. And, and so project manager is, is probably on a monthly basis projecting where that project's going. Right. And and it's purely a measure of productivity. Where are we today compared to to, uh, the time that we have left to complete the project? Are we 50% through? Have we 50% installed, plus or minus? And that's that's the barometer used to determine what my cost is going to be at completion. Well, if you don't have a schedule to compare that against, Looks good, the, shoot. looks I mean, good in accounting, you, you but see not where we're going. working progress reports bouncing all over the yeah. place. They're like a ping pong ball, right? EKG and, whip, yeah. Right, and then then all of a sudden at the end, poof, there goes our margin fade, right? That, that kicks in and that gets very painful. And, and it's because, one of the reasons, not totally because of the, of the lack of comparing it to a labor plan, but it's a big element of that, right? So let's get the labor plans in place, and, and we have some type of checks against the the earned value we know what it looks and let, like. let's let's merge them together and get them talking to one another now we've taken control we're not letting the situation control us again and i've talked about this almost in every pillar now is every one of these every one of these topics we're talking about if you don't take control of it and manage it you're in big trouble that's why construction's hard that's where it we doesn't get, need to be. It doesn't need to be, but that's where we get behind and we get to this like constant Groundhog's Day reactive shuffling, putting out the fires, rah rah rah. I had a I had a buddy who missed a a best man uh, a bachelor party because literally they ran out of guys and they all got called in to find out how do they put out the fire. And at the time we were we were in this business and I'm going, you didn't have to. That didn't have to happen. Like there's ways of getting ahead of this. This. We are talking about with the earned value, with where the money goes. Where does the 40 to 60 million go? It's people on jobs. We all know that. Okay, where should those people be on this job, on the next job, across multiple jobs? How do I plan that out? How do I have a plan to compare it to? This is, again, I hope it's becoming clear. All these pillars, they're symbiotic, and they all come together in one place. So we have a place to bring the financial stakeholders, the project stakeholders, as well as the workforce stakeholders, and get everybody aligned on what should be happening, what is happening, and how do we course correct to make it as best as it can be. You know, scheduling, simple term, very complex when you really dig into what is it and what is it not. There's a lot of things that is not. It's not forecasting. It's not labor planning needs on jobs. It's actually the allocation or planning of individuals. Execution against the labor plan. The execution against the labor plan with your actual people. And it'll lead us into communications, which we'll talk more and more here in, in subsequent episodes. But as far as today goes, I just want to stress this scheduling aspect is where we see a lot of these roads cross. It's where a lot of our people all see the effects of what's happening and what isn't happening. It's where our project stakeholders and our workforce stakeholders or managers all collide. It's where the project financials finally really come to fruition and we see are we above or, or below on budget? Are we ahead or behind on pace? 
it's really where I would argue we have the most siloed approaches. If you think about where do we go to see, where do you go to see where all of your people are today and where they're supposed to be tomorrow? 90% of this industry, I bet, answer with spreadsheets. And if you ask who owns that spreadsheet, there's one person that probably in the end is the ultimate authority on it. And that's the person that ultimately all of this gets stuck with. What Gary and I are talking about is providing control, providing discipline, but providing one place for the team to be able to contribute to their different parts of workforce management and scheduling is where you will see some of it come to fruition the best and the most. Uh, there, there is so much to be said for being ahead of these things and planning, being able to feasibly plan every individual person's path across multiple projects, whether it's 50 or 500, uh, whether it's on these jobs or two or three jobs subsequent, uh, there are tools that can help with it. And these tools are in real time. I think there's a huge piece to that too. Yeah. These, these labor plans, I, I mean, these labor meetings, we hear about everybody. I guarantee you, everybody watching has a labor meeting every seven to 14 days, depending on their, their battle rhythm or their project temp, uh, 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 lengths. Every seven to 14 days, everybody's getting together they're pulling all their project stakeholders, all their workforce stakeholders, the VP of ops executives are probably there. And we spend so much time just trying to honestly catch up to speed on what's been going on. And I mean, what, what happened to the labor meetings with you guys when you got a true workforce management practice in place? I believe, well, I was retired. So what I'm hearing Dump is, that shit on the next guy. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> right. What, what, I, what I'm hearing is that there was a, there was a space and time there where uh, the company decided not to hold labor meetings. And I think what has happened now is they've gone back to having labor meetings, but it's a, a very high level. Um, no, no more spreadsheet reveal, right? It's some actual uh, coordinated planning in, in a collaborative manner. It's not, here's the spreadsheet, here's what we're doing, here's the plan. Does anybody need help, right? It's it's comparing the um, the actual scheduling to the labor plan and asking the question, why aren't we on this labor plan? What's, what is off here? We've got more people here than we anticipate it. Yep, we do. But the reason is the ceiling grid is going in and we need people to get the conduit and the wire pulled before we, we get blocked out. And so therefore we decided to pull the, the project ahead, realizing that we're burning hours sooner than we anticipate it. Also realizing that now we're going to shave a couple people off of that project that we originally had planned to be there later on. They're no longer going to be needed because we're able to get a leg up on this job. So that's the type of uh, labor planning meetings that are taking place when you get these systems installed. They're, they're totally different. Um, and there's, there's more financial consideration you're no longer catching it's not headcounts yeah you're not catching up to speed you're not catching up on the basics of the headcounts now you're looking in-depth nuances ahead right yep again everyone we will be talking in subsequent episodes about things like communications uh information right productivity we we mentioned earned value today we'll we'll be diving into those those depths here soon uh, again thank you so much gary and i really appreciate uh, everyone's time and, and checking these out. Again, we don't mean to get on soapboxes, but we're just trying to make people aware that there are better ways out there. It doesn't have to be hard. There are ways to bring the team involved into this, and we'd hope to help with that. If you have any um, thoughts, 
if we miss something, you know, et cetera, feel free to reach out to us. You can find these, uh, these different sessions on YouTube, I believe. You can go to our website, rivet.work. You can find them on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out to Gary and I. Gary, he, he uh, fishes a lot, so there's no guarantee he's going to get back to you, but I'll try. Um, but with that, pillar three, scheduling in a workforce management business practice. Um, I'm Brian. That's Gary. Construction is hard. But it doesn't have to be. I think that's a wrap. Thank you. We are here to talk about workforce management. Why is it so inconsistent? Construction is hard. <laughs>